eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Hey, y'all. Who dat? And welcome in. This is another episode of Inside Black and Gold. I'm coming at you mostly solo today. You will be hearing from Steve Geller in the second segment of this program. But otherwise, I'm going to be quarterbacking this edition myself. We're going to have a live mailbag in the third segment of the programs, but otherwise we're going to be talking a lot about Alvin Kamara, the settlement that came out yesterday, what it means. We're going to hear from a New Orleans criminal defense attorney who's going to weigh in on what exactly this means, whether it was a good deal or not for Alvin, for the DA, for everybody, why it got to the point it was. And then the second segment, we're going to have a long interview that was recorded previously with Amy Dash's Odyssey's legal insider who kind of gets into the mechanics of what happens next and how many games you should be looking at, that sort of thing. I'm also debuting some new swag in the background here. I, I've, I've adjusted. I've had this Dome Patrol poster framed sitting behind me for about a month and a half, and I've now finally gotten around to putting it up. It took me some some restructuring. I had to take everything off the wall and re uh, establish where it all was, which took a lot longer than I'd like to admit. But I think I think it works. You get the bottom half of a lot of these people in the in the shot. But yes, yeah, so we're going to go through a lot of that. Obviously, the mailbag in the back end. But first things first, I do want to get to some of the news that happened today. The biggest bit of which is the Saints have finally announced their training camp dates. And we have this here. There's seven practices open to the public. That's about what you would normally expect. The one big note that I'll have is that there are two sets of joint practices, but there are zero practices at the Caesars Superdome, which is kind of strange. They did one last year. It was very well attended. I'm not sure why they decided not to have one this year. I don't know if maybe later in camp they'll decide, hey, we want to have one there. just seems like a good opportunity to get out on the turf. Last year, again, I think it was the entire lower bowl that was pretty much filled in. They opted not to do it this year, but they will have two sets of joint practices. The Saints will travel to the LA area. I think it's technically Costa Mesa to have two two joint practices with the Chargers ahead of the week two preseason game. And then they will welcome the Texans ahead of that week three preseason game. But if you were a fan who was thinking, hey, I'd like to go out and see one of these practices, you cannot. None of them are open to the public. The Chargers joint practices are apparently open exclusively to charger season ticket holders who apparently exist. I I was under the impression they didn't have any, but the saints joint practices are closed to the public. So don't expect to see any of those, but I do think that it is a good idea to have as many as possible. The Texans one is particularly interesting because the saints actually face the Texans in the regular season. I can't recall the week off the top of my head. 
And I had asked Dennis Allen whether it was a situation where you might hold some stuff back in these practices. You don't want to show everything. He said, no, it's just kind of go for it. It's not really a situation where you're giving away the store in these practices anyway, but they are competitive. I would argue they're more competitive than the preseason games. So, hey, you're, you're going to figure it out. The first open practice, July 28th, two of these open practices are only 9 to 11, which is kind of interesting. But otherwise, it's just going to be your standard run-of-the-mill um, set of practices. The two that are 9 to 11 are Saturday, July 29th, Monday, July 31st. I'm sorry, there's a third one. And then Friday, August 4th, the first padded practice that is open to the public is that practice on Monday, July 31st. And then the August 5th, August 6th, and August 10th practices are also padded. So if you're one of the people who thinks watching a practice of guys running around in shorts and t-shirts is kind of a waste of time, well, then those are the ones that you should target. The Chargers joint practices are August 17th and 18th. The Texans joint practices are August 24th and 25th. If you are looking to get tickets and you are a season ticket holder, you can start doing that on the 17th, as it says in the tweet to my left, right? Whatever. And then if you are not a season ticket holder and you're not on the wait list, you have to wait until July 19th. Uh, they do they do sell out, especially these early ones, especially that first padded practice. So if you are into it and you want to go, I would recommend marking that down on your calendar and getting in there because they do go pretty fast. But that's really all I have to say about training camp right now. Over the next week plus, we're going to be getting into a lot more of our preview content. We're going to be going into some, you don't know, positions of interest, stuff like that with Steve Geller. We'll probably have some camp battles that we'll talk about. I know we've had an episode before where we talked about Paul Sanadibo and Alante Taylor, but I think there are a few others that are worth breaking down. So that's probably something we'll get into in one of these next couple episodes. But before we do any of that, we have to come back and dive into probably the biggest off-season slash training camp storyline that we now have an answer to, which is Alvin Kamara will not be going to prison. Um, I think this is something that I got into on the last pod and pretty much what I expected happened. The The civil suit was settled for whatever amount um, they agreed to. It was a $10 million lawsuit. I have imagined it was settled for a significantly lower number than that, but I'm sure it was a big number. And then part of that settlement, I'm sure part of the discussion was, hey, we will settle this case as long as you do not testify at the criminal trial. And when they agree to that and they go into it and there's no cooperating witness, typically you will be able to <laughs> find your way as long as the, the defendant agrees. I'm sorry, the aggrieved party agrees, the DA agrees. And that's what we ended up happening. And Alvin Kamara agreed to a misdemeanor. He pled no contest, which is not a guilty plea. That's an important factor here. It's not a guilty plea. It just means you will not fight the charges, but it is not an admission of guilt. And that is a factor down the road if you end up in a situation again where this comes up, right? But I think his first offender status was a factor. The fact that he was able to come to a financial agreement with Darnell Green, the party. And in the end, he's dealing with a misdemeanor breach of peace. He's going to have to pay $100,000 in restitution for medical bills and then whatever else was agreed to in the civil suit. We talked to CJ Mordock on the show on Sports Talk yesterday, and so I'm going to play a good bit of that interview. And he said the rule of thumb is about three times whatever the physical damages are is around what you'll end up paying in a civil suit. In this case, Tony Busby, who's the same lawyer that represented the victims in the Deshaun Watson case, he just kind of apparently is an aggrieved NFL lawyer. They had all the leverage because Alvin does not want this to go to trial. The Saints don't want this to go to trial. No one wants this to go to trial. So I have a feeling that whatever that number should have been is higher. Either way, it doesn't matter. Alvin's going to get off with whatever he has to pay. And then 30 hours of community service, which are quote unquote, supposed to be done within 90 days. That's going to be an interesting question. Alvin's not going to be picking up garbage on the highway, right? So it's going to be, a, I think, a technical challenge to some extent to either get this done before training camp or you might end up seeing him miss a few days here or there. It's not a big deal if he does. These veterans often will get days off throughout camp anyway, but it's worth noting just in case, hey, Alvin hasn't been here for the last two or three days. It, 
probably isn't injury related. It's probably he's out in Vegas trying dealing with his his mandated community service. Now, there is also the option that they could push it back and maybe deal with it after the season, but they'd have to get the judge to agree to that. But either way, I think when when it all comes down to it, you're going to end up looking at, okay, Alvin did something bad. He paid for it financially, and you're going to move on. I've seen a lot of interesting takes of like, oh, I wish I could beat someone up and get away with it. First of all, why do you want to beat somebody up? Why is that something that is that is very attractive to you? Second of all, if you got into a fight at a bar, put yourself in this situation, right? And and understand that that we are talking about this because it's Alvin Kamara. Now, keep in mind, and there's Alvin's tweet to my to my left quote. I don't forget anything. So if you if you've been going off on him on Twitter, he's probably seen it. Anyway, put yourself in that situation, right? I know it's obviously a situation that a lot of people aren't in. Being at a bar at four a.m. is not something I do. But put yourself in that situation and find and and find yourself getting into a fight at a bar, and a bunch of your friends jump in and beat the guy up, and you get charged with a crime. This is your first offense. You go to court. Would you expect to be thrown in prison for that situation? Probably not. And I think that's what happened here. And this is just, you know, CJ Mordock kind of explaining that in much more eloquent terms than I can, me, a non-lawyer. Green did not want to go forward with this. There was always a chance that the DA's office could say, let's go forward and we're just going to use the CCTV footage to convict you. Now, as a practical matter, I don't think that's likely, but that is something that could have been done. And that that's certainly, that's why this is a good deal. And that's why getting a misdemeanor in this case um, is probably the best you could hope for versus a dismissal or some type of diversion or non-judicial adjudication of the matter. Craig, we don't know this for a fact, but uh, you know, I don't know of any other issues Kamara has had off the field. So when you're looking at this, would, would that have been part of the consideration when you're trying to do this from a standpoint? It, it was a, a big offense of what happened. But that um, had this gone in front of a jury, in front of a judge, the fact that he hadn't had any other things off the field that we know about, that has to be a plus for him. I completely agree. Uh, I Typically, if, if he had had another misdemeanor battery or another case that had been pled down or something like that, I don't think he would have gotten this deal. And yes, being having a clean record always helps a defendant who is facing a criminal charge without question. And, you know, Kamara has, has really, I mean, since he's been in the league, he, other than this incident, has been a very, very solid citizen. I mean, I think the worst thing that, other than this incident, I think the worst thing was he was pictured uh, at a bar without a mask during COVID. And it was a bar in Metairie too. So, so I, I, you know, I don't think it will. I, I don't think, I mean, he's basically been a very, very solid citizen and, and a very, very good, this is completely out of character for him. And I think that's certainly something that Shaznov and Schoenfeld argued. And it certainly made a difference with the DA's office. I, you know, at this point in the case, you're really not dealing with the judge. I mean, the judge is going to go along generally with what the parties agree to, and uh, unless it's a very, I mean, I know this is a violent felony, but it, but something extreme like a, you know, a sex case or something like that. But but in something like this, the judge is, you know, the the, the victim signed off on it. The DA is okay with it. Alvin's done what he needs to, or is going to do what he needs to do to resolve the probation. The judge isn't really going to have a problem with this. So you're really negotiating with the district attorney. And usually the district attorney, the, the first thing they point to is the defendant's criminal record when you're asking for a misdemeanor on a felony. And if he has a prior misdemeanor, it's almost never going to happen. And I think that's a pretty good distillation of, of what happened here, right? Like you have a situation where a professional athlete gets involved in a crime in another city. He goes to through the court process and you plead down a felony to a misdemeanor for a first offense situation. If this happened again, he wouldn't get the benefit of that, right? But, you know, that's that's why <laughs> it's a factor. Um, it also helps that he can financially make the other party whole. And yes, money talks, right? Like, I think we could have all seen that coming from the beginning. And 
I mean, that's just the way the world works. If you disagree with that, take it up with capitalism, not me. Either way, I think the Saints and Alvin Kamara are very happy to put this behind them in whatever form they can. And also just for a note, that was Mike Dettelier speaking. He was hosting, interviewing Craig Mordock. And the other thing that I think is a factor, and I don't know that there was any points last season that you could really look at and say, yes, this is a man who is clearly distracted. Alvin didn't have this greatest season, but he did put up decent numbers with the exception of touchdowns. But I do think, you know, when you're dealing with this, it is looming. It is something that is taking you away from your normal routine. And and I thought Craig got into that pretty well here. Have this kind of settled for the most part before training camp really sort of takes Alvin Kamara now to uh, that he can get back to business, uh, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, I completely agree. He, you know, ha- being a criminal defendant and having something like this over your head, even even if your lawyer is telling you, Alvin, we've got this under control, um, you know, we're going to get this resolved, all of that, it, it takes a toll and it takes a stress on a criminal defendant. I, I don't care who you are, whether you're Donald Trump or Alvin Kamara or some guy who's who's got a misdemeanor marijuana charge or DUI charge, uh, being in the criminal justice system takes a mental toll on you and it makes you less effective at your personal relationships, your job, all those things. So yes, this is a huge lift off Alvin Kamara's shoulders and a huge, um, you know, obviously the saints can deal with the suspension. I suspect it'll be coming down pretty soon, but as we know, the NFL, you know, they, they kind of just do whatever they want, but I, I think it would come down pretty soon after, after this happened. Yeah. And, and how Craig described it and how Amy Dash describes it in the second segment, we'll get into it's a win. This is a win for Alvin. This is a best case scenario. This is the best deal he could have gotten. That's what Craig Mordock said. And I agree with that. You know what, when you look at it, this was not something that Alvin didn't want it to go to trial because he would have lost at trial. He would have been convicted of this crime. Um, and that's just the way the system works. And it worked in his favor. But as a Saints fan, like take yourself away from the equation and the in, in injustices of the justice system for a second and just appreciate as a Saints fan, uh, this is a win for you. This is a win for the Saints. This is a loss for Alvin Kamara's wallet. And this is probably sets a precedent going forward that if you're an athlete who has kept your nose clean, then you might be able to get away with something. But for any other purposes, this is simply a less complicated situation for the Saints going forward. They have hedged, right? They brought in Jamal Williams. They drafted Kendra Miller. And now you are just waiting for the other shoe to drop in terms of what's the suspension going to be. He 100%, Alvin Kamara 100% deserves to be suspended. I don't care if he was charged with a crime. The NFL player conduct policy is pretty clear that you do not have to be charged with a crime to have violated the NFL conduct policy, to have embarrassed the NFL, which is 100% been a black guy on the NFL. It happened at an NFL event that then he played in the next day, which got the NFL kind of in hot water just in terms of how it operated in that situation. And so, yes, he 100% deserves to be suspended. The only question is, for how long? If I had to guess, I would say that in the NFL's eyes, this is going to take a maximum suspension for what you could give out. I think that would be about six games in this scenario. And then I think... Alvin goes and appeals that and you drop it down to five or four. What I will say in terms of an advantage for the saints here is that you at least know right now, Alvin's not going to prison. You will get him back after whatever the NFL decides is a, is a merited suspension. And you can go from there. The worst case scenario would have been this drags out. You were unable to come to a settlement or the DA decided we don't even need the witness. We can just go forward with the, the closed circuit footage and, and probably get a conviction and do whatever you wanted from there and drag it out as long as possible so that a suspension came down midway through the season. And maybe you lose Alvin in this critical portion of the season, the last six games, right? Instead, you're probably going to lose him for the first six games. And in kind of generally speaking, that's preferable because you expect to be reasonably healthy over the first six games. You can at least project, you know, people aren't going to be getting hurt left and right 
playing football. Whereas at week 12, you have no idea what type of shape you're going to be in health-wise. So that's, that's, a, that's a helpful factor here. And it also means you can just have Alvin throughout camp. You can make sure you get him the amount of work. I had someone ask whether a suspension would mean he can't practice. You 100% can practice while being suspended for the first six games. Kawan Baker practiced all offseason and then was suspended for six games. David Onyemata two years ago practiced all offseason and then was suspended for six games. So he'll be able to get in plenty of work and then he will be fresh whenever he does come back. But that is the situation. And I, I'm looking forward to talking to Alvin. We haven't really talked to Alvin in a year and a half. You know, he's been guarded with all of his answers or at least when it pertains to him and what he's been doing, I have a feeling we will get at least more candid responses. I'm sure he doesn't want to get too much into the weeds with all of this because I'm sure he's signed an NDA. The other party signed an NDA in terms of what they agreed to, and you're going to go forward. But all in all, again, this is a win for the Saints. But let's wrap up that segment there. This is Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. I'm coming at you solo today, but we will hear from Steve Geller in this upcoming segment. So get excited for that. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller, WWL, and you can follow the show at Saints Pod. And always remember, Alvin Kamara, he does not forget anything. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Coming at you solo today, but we will hear from Steve Geller here in a minute. And if you want to hear Steve the rest of the night, you can go check him out on WWL. He is hosting from 6 to 8. He hosts the second half, I think is what they call it after Mike Dettelier signs off. And then he will be solo on Friday because I am headed out of town. I have an elopement party that I have to attend in uh, the Great White North. Just, you know, collecting collecting checks, right? That, that's that's the deal. You get married and people give you give you stuff. Anyway, uh, so I will not be hosting with Steve, but you can check him out on Sports Talk, WWL, AM 870, FM 105.3, and the Odyssey app, always free, wherever you get your podcasts and all that good stuff. Um, but yes... I have lost my train of thought, so I'm just going to talk through it. We will be having a live mailbag in the final segment of this program. There's one more bit of news that I did want to get into that I meant to get into in the last segment and forgot about. We're all over the place. But the Saints, as I think we could have all expected, will not be on hard knocks. That will officially be the Jets, so we can all breathe a sigh of relief that we won't have to be you know, getting any of these viral moments ex- exposed on HBO for whatever they are. The Jets didn't want it either. The Saints didn't want it. I don't think the Commanders or the Bears wanted it. One of those four teams was going to get forced onto it, and they decided on the Jets. And, you know, if you look at the Jets and you say, hey, when's the last time the Jets made the playoffs? That would be 2010. That was the year they were on hard knocks. Rex Ryan was the coach. Mark Sanchez was the quarterback. And they went to the AFC title game for the second consecutive season. So, you know, while the Jets don't want it, if you are a superstitious person, as I am, it's probably a good sign that they are on hard knocks and Aaron Rodgers gets a pulpit to advertise his support for legalizing hallucinogenics because that's apparently the thing that he does now. 
But anyway, back to the topic at hand, which I know it's kind of Alvin Kamara overload, but I do want to get you some more official sources than just just myself in terms of breaking this down. And so we were, Steve Geller and myself were able to chat with Amy Dash. She's Odyssey's legal insider, and she runs a great website called leagueofjustice.com where she breaks down a lot of this stuff. She was spot on with all the Marshawn Lattimore situation. If you remember, Marshawn Lattimore was the last guy who was arrested, and we all thought he could go to prison for a felony and whatnot. And she was spot on saying, no, it's this is just, well, mostly just a misunderstanding in terms of how this all went down. So I respect her opinion a lot. And so here is that interview. Enjoy. Thank you so much for the time, and I'm sure you have been quite busy today. Oh, it's my pleasure. How are you doing? Doing great. So Saints running back Alvin Kamara agreeing to plead no contest to a misdemeanor charge stemming from that Las Vegas assault. The big one, I guess, right now for Saints fans is, is he going to end up facing a suspension from the NFL? The likelihood there. Oh, I think probably 100% likelihood. And I've actually never gone all the way up to 100%. As an attorney, I always try to say 99.99% to leave a little chance for any other possibility. But I think here, 100%, mainly because this was caught on video, um, very different from things that we've seen recently. And so I think that he would probably be best suited to come up with some sort of an agreement with the NFL, um, even if it ends up going to Judge Sue Robinson and they go through the whole investigation and the NFL makes a recommendation on the suspension. No matter what Robinson ends up giving, I think there's room here for him to agree to the minimum six-game suspension. And I think that would actually be in his best interest because there are so many aggravating factors here that can make the suspension so many more games I don't see him getting four games or five games it's a possibility but because of the nature of the injuries because of the fact that it's caught on video I think absolutely at a minimum he's got to take six games and it would probably be better for him to agree to that from the outset so Amy thanks for coming on you know as you saw this kind of develop today was this a surprise did you kind of see this coming how did you kind of react to this news as it came out well I think it's a huge break for him um, because of the location of where this took place in Nevada. The laws are really strict. I don't think he would have been offered a plea deal. Um, I think the reason he was offered a plea deal, it was either because his attorney has a great relationship, but I think the main factor here is that there was a settlement with the victim. And even though you're not allowed to try to pay somebody off to get them to not participate in a criminal investigation, um, oftentimes this is kind of the unspoken agreement that, okay, we're going to give you X amount of money. And then what happens is that the victim mysteriously, but not really so mysteriously, will pull out of cooperating Mm -hmm. with the prosecutors. And could they have gone forward? Yeah, sure. They have the video. So there was enough evidence to go forward. But a lot of times without the victim willing to go up there on the stand, the prosecutors will then be more amenable to a plea deal. Whereas uh, if the victim really wanted to push forward with this prosecution, I don't think he would have been offered a plea deal. Amy, we saw that Kamara uh, wrote a Darnell Green Jr. a letter expressing his sincere apologies. And an attorney for Green says a $10 million uh, civil lawsuit was settled on confidential terms. Pretty large dollar amount there, if that's true. I think absolutely a lot of money was given to Green. Um, We saw that publicly they were able to release that over $100,000 would be paid to him for medical bills, but I think that was just the tip of the iceberg. Um, He is represented by the same attorney as Deshaun Watson was, and... Tony Busby uh, traditionally wants apologies. That was a big point of contention in the Deshaun Watson uh, potential settlements because they couldn't get any type of an admission or an apology from Deshaun Watson initially. And that's what delayed settlements in that case, because a lot of the victims didn't just want money. They wanted validation or an apology from Deshaun Watson. And he was proclaiming his innocence all along. Um, So. So here, the fact that there's an apology is a big part of the strategy for Tony Busby, along, obviously, with some sort of financial compensation in the big dollar amount. I, do, I just want to clean that up. Tony Busby, I think I think you said he represented Deshaun. I think he represented the victims, Yes, correct? I yes. misspoke. Yes, oh, he, he represented the victims, right. That's what he I thought, was yeah. the one who represented, thank you, yes. He represented the victims in the Deshaun Watson cases. Gotcha. And so, yeah, you know, you bring up the the suspension that is looming and it does feel inevitable in the sense that, you know, the player conduct policy is pretty straightforward of, you know, you don't have to be charged with a crime to embarrass the NFL and, and violate this policy. I think we have seen in the past 
that the NFL kind of errs toward over suspending people in the sense that, you know, there's going to be an appeal and they can always come down. Is that kind of what you think might happen here where you're looking at six games and then maybe you go to an appeal and, and you see if maybe the arbitrator will bring it down to a five or a four? Yeah, but I think there can be an unspoken agreement between the two sides that here's the strategy we're going to employ. If you're willing to take the six, just for PR purposes, we're going to go and we're going to recommend 10, let's say. Um, and then if Sue Robinson comes up with, you know, six, then we won't appeal or comes up with eight. We'll go and negotiate like we did in the Watson case and we'll come up with a joint agreement on six. Um, because traditionally in the past, before they changed the whole procedure and brought in Sue Robinson, as the independent uh, disciplinarian. And let's not forget, the NFL still controls the appeal process. Um, They used to actually punish on the lower side. Um, Even though they had that six-game minimum in place, a lot of times people would be involved in situations like this where there was no video involved, punish on the lesser side. Um, I think after what happened with Ray Rice way back when, when there was video involved and they punished on the lesser side initially, then the video comes out and embarrasses the NFL. So then they put this new process in place, and I think the fact that there's video again that you have video capturing somebody who's down, who's being punched repeatedly, um, you know, who then sustains what they claim to be substantial bodily injury. Uh, Whether or not that's true, there are pictures that show, you know, something that looks pretty serious. So I think because of all of those factors, the NFL has to have him accept at least six games. Amy, uh, obviously talking about the suspension and now that the NFL we've heard has been, you know, monitoring this situation, they're looking into it some more. How long do you think before we get some kind of resolution and finality to this from the league? I think because there's video and because Busby's involved and he had already cooperated with the league in a prior investigation, it wouldn't be hard to interview the victim here. Um, I think they were already willing to cooperate a long time ago. So I think based traditionally on what I've seen with the NFL, they're going to try to wrap this up before the season starts because they do not want this to be a distraction. So I think we're going to absolutely have an answer before the season starts. Yeah, so Amy, one thing that's really interesting about this case is not only how it played out, but the fact that it happened so long ago. And I almost wonder if, you know, that was an intentional thing. It feels like it had to have been where the further away you get from something that I don't know if it diminishes it, but it feels like, oh, yeah, I remember that. It was so long ago. I'm just curious if you think that was kind of a intentional strategy of, you know, what are we 18 months removed now? And does that lessen the the impact of what we're talking about? Or does it kind of weigh on the nerves of someone who's still dealing with this 18 months down the road. And I'm just, I feel like the attorneys for Alvin really played this about as well as they could have when all was said and done. Well, the legal process always takes a really long time. There are continuances on both sides because of scheduling. Like you'd be shocked at how many ridiculous things delay a case that have nothing to do with the case. You know, the attorney's going on vacation, so they delay it another month. Um, But I think that they're going to wrap it up relatively quickly, like I said, because they're under pressure that the season's coming up. Um, But they will not get involved in, in, maybe they've started investigating, but certainly not in making a decision until the criminal portion wraps up. And it really literally just wrapped up. Um, actually, it even hasn't yet because a judge has to sign off on all this. Um, but their policy, the reason for that is because, you know, they need to see, is there going to be conviction? If there's a conviction that changes the story, uh, is there going to be new evidence that comes out at a trial? We were expecting to see him go on trial later this month. So I think there are a lot of reasons why they're going to wait so that they don't interfere with criminal investigations. For example, when they're doing their own investigations, they don't want to talk to witnesses at the same time that police are. So actually, in this case, even though it feels like it was a really long time ago, and yeah, that serves their purpose of people forgetting about it, and now everyone's getting excited for the season, so they're like less you know, up in arms For example, after the Pro Bowl, you know, everyone was like, why? It was a big controversy. Why was wasn't he arrested before? Why was he allowed to play? Um, So certainly a lot of time has passed since then where people have forgotten about that whole debacle. But really, if you're comparing this to other cases, they're going to be wrapping this up and deciding it, I think, relatively quickly after the criminal process has concluded, which would be in the next couple of weeks, presumably. Awesome stuff, as always, Amy. Definitely appreciate your time, and thanks for fitting us in. Oh, my pleasure.
And there it is. You know, so we had one comment here uh, from Elite Goods LLC. It says, we heard this live on the radio and said, yes, this was an interview that Steve and I did yesterday on Sports Talk. The funny thing is I was not originally supposed to be on the show yesterday, but because of the Alvin Kamara situation, we knew that the best chance you were going to have to kind of catch up with people and get content that both served the radio broadcast and the podcast was for me to just go in and chat with Amy and, and these, and Steve live on the air. And so that's what I did. So yes, I, I did randomly appear on the radio yesterday. No one gave me permission. I just kind of went in, no one stopped me. So it is kind of a scary thought to think I can just get myself on the airwaves whenever I want without any, any interference, but that's what happens because Steve's technically in charge now. So I'm just like, Hey Steve, I'm showing up anyway. Fun fact. But I thought Amy's interview was really good. I thought she gave a lot of interesting insight. One thing she said that I think is easy to forget, the entire format and the entire system for how the NFL is operating as they look at Alvin Kamara and Alvin Kamara's situation and potential discipline is affected by the Ray Rice situation. That pretty much set the entire book for how the NFL, or I should say reset the entire book for how the NFL operates in these situations. He never played again in the NFL once that video came out. And I think that's why you look at this and you're like, okay, the video is there. So that basically guarantees there is some sort of discipline because that's pretty much how the NFL operates. If there is video evidence, you're suspended. Um, If the video evidence is bad enough, you might never come back. But it is kind of fascinating when you think about how this whole discipline structure has been built out from that Ray Rice situation. And to a lesser extent, Adrian Peterson, if you recall, he had that whole child abuse scandal around the same time. I don't know why it's running backs, what it, what it has to do with running backs that they seem to constantly be getting into trouble. But it is kind of fascinating. And I disagree in the sense that I think the NFL will be fine with the optics of handing out a six-game suspension that gets reduced. I don't think that they're going to have any qualms about that because of the way this ended up. If if Alvin had to go to trial and you had that kind of entire black eye of constant headlines of, oh, what happened today? And will he get convicted and blah, blah, blah. And then it got pled down. I think that there would be a bit more pressure to put a bigger suspension on him. And I also think that, you know, well, she's, Amy is correct that this 18 months isn't, isn't the longest time in this, in the scope of criminal trials. I do think that it does soften the blow of, okay, if this suspension happened last season, it would have been fresh in everybody's mind and they would not have gotten away with the optics as, as the Louise Lewakin is saying of the optics of kind of going soft on a suspension this year. I think a lot of people were like, oh, wait, is this still going on? That's crazy. I don't understand why it's still happening. Oh, now it's a misdemeanor? Okay, NBD, right? I don't know. Either way, from a Saints perspective, from a Saints fan perspective, from someone who covers the team, I am just glad that we can finally get past talking about this in the frame of reference of, will he go to jail, (laughs) right? Now we can just talk about this in the frame of reference of, how can Jamal Williams and Kendry Miller pick up the slack over however many games they have to. That is the only question. It is not going to be an entire season. In the end, this might ultimately benefit the Saints. And I know that's a weird thing to say from a guy getting suspended, but one of the difficulties in the running back position is getting to the end of the season and being the type of running back that you were at the beginning of the season. Alvin, if you go back to the 2021 season, right? He was dealing with an injury that entire second half. He missed, I think, four games. And that coincided with the five-game losing streak that essentially tanked their season, right? Those injuries pile up usually around the middle of the season. So maybe, actually, go back a couple years earlier, that Vikings loss in the playoffs. Alvin Kamara was playing the entire second half of that season with a torn MCL, right? Like, that, like these guys are playing hurt even when you don't realize it. So, you know, when you, when you look at the grand scheme of things, will the Saints benefit? Will Alvin Kamara benefit from six fewer games? so that he can play the final 11 games at a higher level? I don't know. But it's uh, if you're looking for a silver lining, which I, I tend to, because why not? That's just the way I choose to live. That's probably what I would point to. But all right, 
I promise, well, I don't promise, but I promise this is the last episode we will talk about Alvin Kamara's legal status. And moving forward, we'll just talk about Alvin Kamara. But we will be coming back with a mailbag, and I'm going to try to find non-Alvin Kamara questions so we can kind of move around on subject matter. But I have a feeling we're going to keep talking about Alvin Kamara. So get those in there. I'm going to go to a break here, and I'm going to star as many as I see. And... We will get back to it. But again, this is Inside Black Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. I think we have gone through a pretty exhaustive breakdown of the Alvin Kamara situation. They agreed to a plea deal yesterday. It's now a misdemeanor. The only question left, discipline. But all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening and stick around. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. One more segment on this here episode of Inside Black and Gold. And we will be going into the mailbag. I'm Jeff Nowak coming at you solo on this year episode. And the first question we'll get to Elite Goods LLC is Gumbo the mascot still around? As far as I know, I don't think he's been adopted uh, by any other, any other mascot. I believe Gumbo's the dog, right? Unless my memory is failing me. And if so, yes, I think Gumbo the dog is still around. Uh, Sir Saint is the other one. He's, he's still around as well. They, they, they wander around. They have a good time, but yes, Gumbo is still around. That's not the uh, that's not the question we need to get into. Let's start with Alvin Kamara, so we can just continue to to move on from that. Says Yella knows says it's entirely possible that AK doesn't get a suspension until next season, but that chance is minuscule at best. I disagree with what has happened over the last twenty four hours. The idea that he won't get suspended this season has dried up entirely. There was a chance if this all dragged out forever and you got into like week 12 before any type of decision was handed down, then yes, you could have gotten into a scenario where maybe he does push it off an entire another season. Just like last year, we were spent the entire season talking about, well, maybe he won't get suspended until next season. That's not going to be the case this year. I think the NFL is very motivated to just get out from the specter of this situation. I'm just going to want to get it handled. There's not a ton of gray area in what they're going to be trying to do. And I think they're going to give him whatever suspension they feel is merited. It's going to happen quickly. We're going to know before the start of the regular season. I wouldn't be surprised if it, if we know the suspension prior to the start of training camp. Genuinely, I think they, the NFL is going to be motivated to try to get it done. But I disagree with this completely. There was zero chance that Alvin does not get suspended this season. Jerry G, this isn't really a question, but he says, Falcons fans are big mad. And I think, yes, if you go around the NFC South, if you want to troll around Twitter for a little while and find the Alvin Kamara hate threads, (laughs) there's going to be a lot of disappointed NFC South fans, not in New Orleans, because they probably were hoping that they would be done seeing Alvin Kamara. Complete aside, if you follow the NFL on Twitter. One thing they decided to do yesterday was tweet the entire Super Bowl Patriots Falcons 28 to 3. They just decided to do that. They, they just said, "Hey, let's go for it." So if you're a Falcons fan seeing that, it's just I mean, if you're not triggered, if you're a Falcons fan and you are not triggered by that game, there's something wrong with you. I don't think you're actually a Falcons fan because if that happened to my team anytime that game show, it's like the the NFC Championship. If they had decided to put the NFC Championship game from 2018 on Twitter, the entire game, and been like, "This is a direct assault on me personally as a Saints fan," and the the NFL just said, "Yeah, Falcons fans, you take it." That's so. The Saints aren't the only 
team that likes to give it to Falcons fans. Sorry, there's a there's a dog in here. I am fostering fostering a dog. His name's Bailey. If anyone wants to adopt a dog, she's a good girl. She's right here. Bailey, Bailey, Bailey. This is how she likes to she likes to hang out. She just likes to jump up and sit in my lap. Anyway, she's gonna hang out for a little bit, and we're gonna we're gonna t- we're gonna keep going. Please don't bark on the microphone. People listening will not appreciate that. There's KD. Another question here it says: If the suspension is more than six games, would we carry an extra running back to compensate? And what does that mean for the wide receiver room? I don't. So you have Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller, right? I think that does pretty much do get get you where you need to be from a running back perspective, assuming everybody is healthy. Now that's the question. If someone goes down in the middle of a game, what do you do? But Taysom Hill's existence and the ability to lean on him in the running game if you need to makes this equation a lot easier to figure out. And so I think that a guy like Kirk Merritt is intriguing, right? If you trust him as a wide receiver and as a running back, then that means that you don't have to get creative with the numbers in terms of just having enough bodies should something weird happen. We're going to see. You know, Benjamin is around. I I think he's going to have an uphill climb to try to make this roster. But, you know, I think he is an intriguing guy. They brought him in for a reason. They kept him around for a reason. So we'll have to see. But I, I think that you're, you're not going to make any crazy decisions because Alvin is going to get suspended. I think it, but again, I think it does make it a little easier to keep Kirk Merritt on the roster. And so I'm rooting, I'm rooting for uh, the Destran kit. Another one from KD. We'll just go down the list of KD questions. Any updates on the kicking competition I mean, no, technically, not really. You you have a situation where Will Lutz is 100% going to be in a competition with Blake Groupie throughout training camp. Now, I think Will Lutz has looked fine. I, I don't have any issue with how Will Lutz has kicked. I have issue with how Will Lutz has kicked in games, in and not even in the pressure moments, right? Like, I still haven't seen him miss big kicks per se, I have seen him miss easy kicks. I have seen him miss low pressure kicks. Well, I saw him make a kick in London from 61 yards, right? Like he can, he still has the leg. It's the consistency that I worry about. And okay, time time to get down, Bailey. You're a good girl. Okay. Okay. Time to get down. There you go. Anyway, moving on. If anyone wants to adopt a dog, right here, let me know. She's a good girl. Okay. So yeah, I don't, I don't see it being... A situation where Will Lutz is going to be like, man, I'm getting, I'm losing my job to this guy, even though I'm kicking well, right? If if Will Lutz looks even like a shade of himself, he's going to win that job. The question is, is he himself? When you get into the preseason games, does he look right? I think that Blake Groupie is a guy, if you can keep him around, maybe stash him on the practice squad, maybe hide him the way that they hid Blake Gillikin. And then you get into like week three or four and if Will Lutz is not hacking it, then you can maybe turn to him. But, you know, I don't think that this team is dying to to shift to a rookie kicker for any purpose other than, man, Will just does not have it in him anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I there hasn't been really any updates. We're going to continue to watch it. It's really not going to be something that you're going to be able to see and be like, oh, okay, yeah, he's, he's head and shoulders above. I think if you're groupie, your goal in this competition is not even necessarily to beat Will Lutz. It's to show, just like Will Lutz did when he was up in Baltimore behind Justin Tucker, it's to show that you can be an NFL kicker, that you have it, and that other teams should be on alert for you, right? I don't think the Saints would have any issue if Will Lutz was like, yeah, I'm that dude still, don't worry about it, and then another team came in and and pilfered him just like the saints did to the Ravens, because that's just how it works. But yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about Will Lutz, but we're, it's going to be something to watch, right? Training camp's a long slog and it'll just be something to keep everyone interested. Um, There's also Jerry says, Amy dash sounds like Maddie Hudak. I disagree with that. I've heard them both. I don't think they sound that similar, but maybe their mannerisms. Maybe if you put them side by side and it could, it could, it could happen. I'm always down for a Waterboy reference. That's high quality H2O. Let's do it. KD again. He says, I'm hope, I hope it's four games. I'm trying to see him in New England. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's going to be interesting. And, you know, I, I, I say, you know, the Saints could ultimately benefit from this from a health perspective. But, man, this is going to be a very frustrating season to watch if 
Jamal Williams just doesn't hack it. Kendra Miller is a rookie and plays like a rookie. And the Saints start one in five because they don't have Alvin out there and the offense bogs down. It's going to be really frustrating if this time next year we look back and say, man, that suspension changed the season. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully it is four or three games. Hopefully Saints can get it done without him. But we will never know until we get there. So yes, Bailey, Bailey is a good girl. I do need to I need to do need to send out some tweets. My I did have a dog that that passed away about two months ago in April. Um, so I got I was lonely without a dog in the house. So we started fostering. Um, and this is the first one that that we've gotten. Anyway, KD says he's triggered triggered by the Minneapolis miracle. Yeah, there's a there's a few games that you could point to and being like, please never show me that ever again. You know, <laughs> um, it, it's it's it is like that. I remember it's not really the same, but I remember when I was growing up in in New England as a Giants fan, the game that always I had to turn off was uh, it was the Miracle at the Meadowlands Part Two, and it was Deshaun Jackson fumbling a kick. It was the Giants and the Eagles in the last second. Matt Dodge was the was the punter. Why I remember that a guy I don't think who punted ever again. Uh, he decided in his infinite wisdom with no time left on the clock to kick it inbounds to Deshaun freaking Jackson. And he returned it for a touchdown as time expired. And one of the reasons that game is so fascinating to me is if that didn't happen and the Giants win that game, the Packers don't make the playoffs. And that was the year the Packers went and won a won the Super Bowl as a wild card. So, <laughs> I mean, this is completely random, but I just find it hilarious. The reason the Packers won the Super Bowl. The reason that Aaron Rodgers has his one Super Bowl title is because the the Giants could not punt the ball out of bounds against the Eagles. And it gave Aaron Rodgers life. And it's just, that's the margin. That's that close, right? If the Saints don't come down with half the roster having COVID against the Dolphins on Monday Night Football, they probably make the playoffs. And maybe we're looking at a, a magical playoff run there. Instead, you have this crazy fourth quarter collapse by the Rams to keep the Saints. Anyway, that's the NFL in a nutshell. It's just trying to ruin your day at, at so many, at so many opportunities. Here's a good question. Which quarterback are you most scared of facing this year? I say Jordan Love will be the best QB we face. So he's going to be starting for the Packers. You, you have a lot of rookies that you could end up seeing, right? Bryce Young, who knows? You might see him week two. I still kind of feel like Andy Dalton's going to be the starter, but when you're talking about the number one overall pick, there is a lot of pressure to put him out there. And so, sure. So you could end up seeing four or five young quarterbacks, Jordan Love in his third career start. In Carolina, you could see Bryce Young. You're not going to see Will Levis against Tennessee, obviously, unless something crazy happens. Tampa Bay, you probably see Kyle Trask. Actually, no, you'll probably see Baker Mayfield. Either way, I don't care. Desmond Ritter. Miss me with that. I, I don't understand the, the fascination. This So Houston, that's the one I was confusing with. Oh, no, you do play the Bears. So you will face Justin Fields. Houston, you could end up facing C.J. Stroud. I don't know. But I would say of all the quarterbacks you're facing that I think the Saints will have a very difficult time matching up with, it's going to be Justin Fields. For the same reason, they had a really difficult time matching up with Lamar Jackson last year. Justin Fields, as a runner, he might be in the top 10 of the NFL, not just as running quarterbacks, just as a runner of the football. That includes running backs. It's the same way you look at Taysom Hill and say, you know, he's probably a top 20 running back in the NFL. The difference is Justin Fields has the ball in his hands on every play. I think a lot of people would look at you and say, you know, Justin Fields and Taysom Hill are very similar players. But I think the Saints would have a hard time stopping Taysom Hill when it all comes down to it, because that's just the type of quarterback they struggle against, someone who's going to look to run at every opportunity. So I'd say him, you know, Anthony Richardson is another guy. You know, there's, there's this idea the Saints have struggled against rookie quarterbacks. It's not actually true over the last 10 years or so. But I do think that he's a guy the Saints would struggle against. I still think they would beat him, though. Like, that's the thing. If he ended up starting, I think that you would be able to put him in a position where he would struggle as a rookie and you could fool him in a lot of instances. Justin Fields in year three, I think he reaches that point where he knows enough, he's ready, and also does stuff that you can't defend as the Saints. So he would be the guy that if you're looking at games on this list and saying, man, this is going to be a tough matchup for the Saints in a game that otherwise they should win, 
in a game that they will be favored in most facets and still lose because of that kind of X factor of the quarterback, I think it's probably week nine against the Bears. But that's a good question. Thanks for that. Thank you, Louise. Yeah, we, we miss it was Zuma. His name was Zuma. He was a good boy. Died of old age, you know. I've always said that if, you know, as a, as a dog owner, <laughs> if you get to a point where you can be tragically upset because your dog died of old age, then you probably won, right? And I was like, you get a dog. I think it's a Jim Gaffigan bit. It's or no, it's a Mark Maron bit, which is like, it's like you get a dog. It's like, I'm going to have to kill this thing someday. <laughs> it's, it's inevitable. So it's like, if you, if you can get to a point where you can be upset that, you know, it's not like you didn't run out into traffic or anything, just got sick, you know, all you can do. But all right, on that, on that super upbeat note of, of dog mortality, I think, I think that's all we have. Gumbo is the only dog that will never go away. He will be there forever. And the saints will more than happy uh, say good boy. All right. This has been inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Noack. Thanks everyone who watched. Thanks everyone who left a comment. I always appreciate the listeners, the viewers. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noack. You can follow Steve Geller on Twitter at Steve Geller, WWL. We are getting back into training camp mode. I am very excited to have real things to talk about again. I, I get it. People want podcasts over the off season, but man, it gets repetitive. I want to watch football. I want to talk about football. I am so tired of talking about suspensions and power rankings and all this and giving you grades. You know, I appreciate all the feedback on the position grades from the last episode or two episodes ago, whenever it was, it was kind of the first time I had decided to do that. And I think I've uncovered a few kind of tweaks that I can make. I probably did overvalue the playoff experience to some extent. I had, I think if I do that again next year, I'll adjust the values on some stuff and maybe playoff experience tops out at a five, whereas other things top out at a 10. You know, I think that's probably a good way to balance it. But, you know, this is the this is where you try stuff. And I thought it was interesting content. I think people also felt it was interesting content, even if they disagreed with it. Um, but yeah, so I think that's something I'll probably try to bring back next year, maybe even later this offseason with an update and maybe move some stuff around. Um, but yeah, I appreciate all the feedback on that. It was a fun episode to do, even if you think I'm wrong and you think Derek Carr is the best playoff quarterback of all time. I will say that there was some 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 feedback on there that's like, if you're going to argue with me that Derek Carr is not a question mark when it gets to the postseason, I don't know what you want me to say. Can he be successful there? Absolutely. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look at it and be like, well, he he did play pretty well in a in a high pressure regular season game to get to the postseason. No, playoff success is playoff success. I'm not. You're, there's nothing transferable about week 18. You know, it it's you just gotta have to figure it out from where it is. But I will say that the idea that not having success in the playoffs means you can't succeed in the playoffs is wrong. I mean, look at Eli Manning. I think Eli Manning is the best example of a guy who just got hot at the right time. You know, like those two playoff runs were great. If you look at the rest of his playoff resume, ew, it's ugly. I think he had three first round exits. And then he had two where he went in as a wild card and, you know, they went all the way and they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, right? So it's not always about, okay, this consistency thing. Drew Brees had as much playoff experience as anybody and never got back to the Super Bowl. I know not necessarily hit completely his fault. I get it. Don't don't jump to my throat. Very, like Aaron Rodgers is a better example. Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if there's anybody active in the NFL who has more playoff experience than Aaron Rodgers. And you look at him every year, he gets to the NFC Championship and just gets blown out. Not every year, but every time he does. And he's just like, what? What happened? Aren't you supposed to be good at this? Isn't this supposed to be your thing? So I get it. I understand why people got a little peeved about how much I was valuing playoff experience. But either way, you know, live and learn. Dennis Allen as the head coach in year two. Big question. I agree with that. Uh, never been to the playoffs either. I, I think that's honestly, yeah, you look at it and you say, okay, what, what am I more concerned about than Derek Carr? Dennis Allen in the postseason, if he ever gets there. But that's a bridge that I will happily cross if, if a Dennis Allen team ever gets to the postseason. Because this is going to be the first year that I'm on the sidelines. And so I very much want them to go to the playoffs because I want to experience a playoff atmosphere on the sidelines. But all right, y'all, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been a lot of fun. As always, this is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. 
Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noak. Let us know what you want to see, what you want to see more of. Follow the show on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. And until the next time, who dat? Be easy, y'all. Peace.